All right. Thanks everybody for joining. So if you have been coming to these book clubs and part of Relay for a while, you may have heard the announcement that we are going public on the podcast streams with this. So this book club is actually going to air on our on our podcast, our Relay podcast. And so I think it's really fun because we're going to have crowd participation and we hope that that will continue on. So if you are new here, new to listening, I'm Lindsay Hine and I host the book club podcast with um, Re with Relay and Kara Goucher is normally my co-host. She had family obligations tonight. So um, and Peter, you are going to take a bigger role than you thought you were. <laughs> I know. Here we go. Well, yeah, I'm Peter Bravka for anyone who's listening. I feel like in this going towards a public podcast, I feel like an underclassman and you two are the upperclassmen who are going to have to show me around. I'm like kind of, you know, walking into high school, like, wait a second. And for Matt and Lindsay, it's like, yeah, no, no big deal. We do this all the time. Um, yeah. So I was... I've been enjoying joining the last couple uh, book clubs that you all have hosted. And when you suggested, I think, um, so our book this this month is Everything All at Once by Steph Cuddell, uh, I believe is her last name. And I think, Lindsay, you, correct me if I'm wrong, you suggested we read it as a relay because of our discussion about it um, when we were on the phone just talking about all sorts of things. Um, and so, yeah, it's a story. I'm not even sure how to begin to describe the, because it's really two stories that mm. come together into one. Um, but I know that I first became aware of Steph as the wife of my friend, Tommy Ribs, who a lot of people know from Instagram. Actually, a lot of people know from iFit as a coach, which mm. we can um, sort of discuss later. It's an interesting parallel world these like digital worlds where people are passionately involved in participation that other people might not know anything about um so he's a very popular man in the endurance space he's a very kind man very good looking very committed uh, very hard working um and he's married to an amazing woman that many of us didn't know anything about uh, so um i'll just go on to describe that when the Spoiler alert is that Tommy became uh, very ill in the summer of 2020. And when he went live, actually, I get a little bit of flashbacks when I go back to Rhode Island because I was in Rhode Island when I saw him post all these videos of himself. He's like, guys, I'm about to be intubated. Um, I love you all. Like he was high as can be on drugs and uh, in the hospital, he was painkillers. And, then he basically went dark uh, because they intubated him and he was put under. So then we're all searching for like, what is going on? Um, and his wife, who I think many of us had like followed maybe in the process, she would post poetic things mm -hmm. about her reflections on life. And um, she seemed like a really, like a lot of people, it's like you follow one person, you maybe know tangentially a few people in their life, but not well. Um, she became kind of the, the clearest path to understanding what was going on in their life. And it came to fruition for all of us that she not only was just going to be a trusty narrator, but she was an incredibly poetic and thoughtful and deep thinking person. Um, so in this book, Everything All at Once, uh, that she wrote 
in the last three years, it comes out that many of the chapters she started writing years before Riz's illness. Um, and I'm not going to explain this book for the hour because I know many people have read it, but I just, I think it's good pretext for where did this come from? Because that's what I was wondering. Like I literally would see her post an Instagram story over the last three years and I would like zoom a screenshot and zoom in and be like, what is she writing? Like, what is she be in a, she'd be like, Oh, I'm working on a Google doc. And you're like, what, like, how is she telling the story? The story's still unfolding. And she talked about writing herself as a writer and you could kind of tell she was a writer, but like, what is her story? And so this, Tada is like, whoa, she has a story to tell. And it all came to fruition with these, uh, the intermingling of her growing up and then also uh, Tommy's illness and navigating that. So, yeah, curious how this set, Lindsay, for you, like, you knew some of the context for what this book would be. Um, like, how much did it match up with what you expected, or how much did it take you in a new direction? Well, yeah. I mean, I followed the story the summer of 2020 like everybody else. Um, I even did like a mini little fundraiser when, you know, Ben Rosario had reached out and a bunch of people were doing fundraising for him, um, which was really, really cool that how many people in the running community came together and supported their family. Um, but I had I had started following her and um, Obviously, she's like such a such a gifted writer. I mean, it's almost insane. I mean, so many times, you know, someone writes a book and you're like, okay, here's another memoir. But like, no, her writing is like, it's just, I don't know how she does it, honestly. Um, but what surprised me about their story, and if, if anybody listens to my podcast at all, you know that like, if someone brings up God or religion or faith, I will like go all in with that because I just like so desperately want to know what people believe about things. So um, it was really interesting to me, uh, her Mormon upbringing and her life before. And I actually loved, and you know, Des Linden did this in her book. I love that the back and mm. forth, we talked about that. I love that you go past to present, past to present. And I knew the history, I knew that she lost her dad to cancer at a young age too. Um, but the way, so, so like you were saying, like, so she was writing, she'd probably been writing about her time with her dad before she wrote this book or, or what? I don't know, but yeah. Um, and I'm left wondering, well, what do you believe now? And I thought she wrote so beautifully about that, like in between space when he was like, Tommy was like, was he on the brink of death? Like, where was he when he was on the brink of death? I'm like, I don't know, but I want to know. Yeah. It's like one of those things where, I think there's a term for it like the closer you get the further you're away like if you only get if you only go halfway distance to the wall right like you'd never get there infinitely smaller pieces like that's how i felt in relation to the amplitude the the enormity of his dire situation um and the trauma as a result of it i mean she would write passages about how he was there was fear around his health and then there was more fear and then there was more fear and as a friend who followed like very closely like all of you and anyone and just was back channeling with anyone who knew him like what is really going on i still like lost my breath in a few um in a few chapters where you're like how is he still alive and i mean this right. is sort of not i think we've talked about this on other things like i would post i would repost i would like screen grab and share and reshare and what i found remarkable but about the Instagram world, particularly in 2020, was like 
medical people who I don't even know who follow me would be like, this is not possible. I just need to establish like what you're seeing is not possible from anything I've seen in my medical career. For instance, like the ECMO unit that I mm -hmm. had known nothing about that I think we know a lot more about now, they didn't put people on it in those situations and they didn't put it, people on it for that long, but you don't take someone off of it if they're still alive. And, um, and so it was just re remarkably difficult to describe how impossible um he the thing was he was enduring um and then when steph i guess references like what that was like when it's almost as an afterthought in that at the end of the book about the trauma of him not um coming to like even recognize her in moments mm -hmm. and being in a space where like he's his body is still persisting but his mind can barely keep up um I think it's a gift. I just felt like each chapter in that moment was like a gift to all of us to, you know, essentially live someone else in someone else's shoes and see what their their journey is like. You know what? That makes it makes me wonder because she's very clear in the book. Like, I don't believe like that everything happens for a reason. Like this per person is saved, but this person isn't. And there's a reason you have more life to live. Um, you have like a story to play out. She's very clear that she doesn't believe that. But I still am left wondering how and why did he survive? Oh. I mean, oh. it's like I obviously one of the reasons is just his sheer level of fitness. Like he was what yeah. one of the strongest people in the entire world as far as like his health goes. So that's obviously it. But like his sheer will also to survive. It's like how many other people like he wasn't even there, but he was like how many people's souls or bodies would have given yeah. up like i'm it, it's if, just mind-blowing and if you i don't know if you've listened and again this is about steph's book which i thought she artfully brought together um the hard thing is when you have two artful people who are married and they intertwine um i think tommy's interview on rich roll a year or so ago I was listening to it on a run and I just had to stop and just like stand there and cry. Cause it's just like, he talks about how much he wanted to give up. And this, I think that's like way realer than anything you can imagine when you're like, Oh, he should fight the, you know, fight as hard as he fight for his girls. But he talks about how much he wanted to give up to death because it was so hard to keep fighting. And then he talks about like, how much i mean he talks a lot and in great detail about drug addiction mm. as a result he came off of those life support vehicles so addicted to drugs and like having to kick that habit which is so pervasive in our world but it's like something that i don't know firsthand so then to hear it from someone and again so this is like the aftermath of the book so i think steph like walks us up to that um precipice in like with such artistry and i want to like honor again her the way that she talks about her own rebellion and her own like um walking back and forth with the church and trying to make sense of what was going on i just think it was it was really wonderful um i, I don't think it's for everyone my father actually he's like should i read this and i'm like my father actively left the catholic church uh in, as a young man um i'm like well she gets pretty into uh like taking and leaving the church and he's like yeah. okay i'm good 
<laughs> but I think that's it's it's for everyone to make their own decision on like how they want to navigate these things, right? Oh, um, I know, I know, Caitlin. Yeah, I actually, Caitlin's saying she wants to listen to that podcast now. Um, I actually listened to clips of him on Rich Roll. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I like, I get. I don't like listening or hearing about anything regarding cancer because I just have this like irrational, crazy fear in myself. And so I I, I have to like kind of like guard myself a lot. And so actually reading this book for me was like not a book I would normally choose for that reason. But um, it actually didn't leave me feeling the way that I was worried it would like selfishly worried it would leave me feeling. OK. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. These topics are so charged that I think it's wise to be careful about like how you want to you don't want to just like accidentally step into it um i wasn't really raised in the church and so i try to just treat it with like respect and all the variations people can it's just so many things to so many different people so for me i'm like reading about her she like recounts coming to the church through her mother joining uh the mormon church and i'm kind of like Oh, each chapter when she's like rebelling against church, I'm like, so that, so she must be done. And then it's like, next, uh, like came home from summer vacation and like went back to school and rejoined, like re-signed the charter of like the Mormon church to commit to these things. And so I thought it was a fun, I mean, again, you kind of know how the, where the character ends up, you know, that this woman like has three beautiful daughters and is like living this life and her husband's still alive. So it's like, wait a second. Um, and so it was a lot of fun to walk through those. And um, as a writer, I'm keenly aware of when people do a good job of like bringing us along. And I think we all are, but I'm mindful that I try to do it a lot and often fail. Um, so I was really respectful of how well she, I mean, she has a great memory, <laughs> you know, vividly describing scenes of, you know, the moments that she's, like not as proud of, right? I'm not sure how that sat with other people where she's just like being a rebellious teen and making decisions that you're like, you know, it's that like cringe worthy, like I, I'm i not like embarrassed by it, but let's not talk about it anymore, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like anytime you write a memoir type stuff though, and you bring up the things you did as like a, a teen or like young twenties, it's like, okay, is my mom gonna read this? Like, but you, if it's, it's not going to be the right, like a good book. If you don't spill, got to spill the tea. Yes, Matt. Yeah. I was wondering what you guys thought about just like your expectations coming in as like, all right, you obviously know Tommy's story mm. going into reading this book, at least a large chunk of it. Right. Generally speaking and much less about her. So just like the idea of like, all right, you want to learn her journey and she's the author, but her kind of her, the co-protagonist, especially in our circles, is a much more well-known person, especially over the last three years. So what was that like in terms of like wanting to see, obviously, a light on both of these people separately and together, but kind of like the, the, the juxtaposition of it, um, because again, like her, your, her, um, you know, maturation as a person isn't related to Tommy's illness in any way, shape, or form, but like that plays such a central role in other parts of the book. So just just in terms of like what your expectation was in terms of the intermingling of those themes and how it was pulled off. I mean, I feel like I knew a little bit more about her story than maybe most people would. I mean, I guess if you follow her on Instagram, you kind of know a little bit. Um, I will say though, 
Peter and I talked on the phone before I started the book. And so I got a little more insight on the book before I even read it. So maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like, think I knew more than I did, but it's based on my conversation with Peter. Um, I don't know if this answers your question, but in the book I kept, I, I, and Bridget, maybe you thought this too, like as a mom and a wife, I kept like picturing myself in her shoes and like ha thinking like, I don't know that I could be that strong, but it's almost, like, but she says it in the book, like you have to be like, like there's no, you just have to show up. Like it's, I'm not like being strong. I'm just here. Like I'm surviving through this because I'm present. Um, and I thought it was really beautiful too, how uh, both of their moms showed up hard. I mean, basically it sounds like both of their moms like moved in and like really took care of those girls so that she could do everything she could. I mean, the way that Steph fought for his life, when doctors are telling you he's going to die, like, yeah. it's like, so I think so many people wouldn't have the wherewithal to be like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to dig further when doctors are literally looking you in the eye saying like, it could be any day now. Go ahead, Bridget. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember I was mowing the lawn and I was listening as I was doing it. And I, there was this moment where she said, I just felt so guilty as a mother realizing I couldn't be there for my daughters because I had to be there for myself. And I'm just like, Oh, like, weeping mowing the grass my husband comes out he's like what is wrong with you i'm like no talk to me this is so <laughs> sad but like just the like the tug of and then the the parallel of like her going through that as a little girl and then understanding what her daughters must be going through on some level right and then also understanding through this process like what her mother went through when her dad was sick it was there's just so many layers to it and yeah it's it's like the simultaneously as a mom trying to protect your children and then having a better understand of what you, understanding of what they're going through because of what you went through and then what your mom went through because of what you're going through. It was just so much, like so many intense things to process all at the same time. And um, yeah, I mean, not that I didn't have the utmost respect for her before, but mm. like what a strong person to just carry all of that and just, I don't know, just kind of, muck through all of it at the same time it's just so much it's so intense go ahead simon yeah um just, just to add to that i like the concept that you have where uh time isn't linear it keeps on folding back in on itself and sometimes it comes back around to teach you a lesson you didn't get the first time around mm. so maybe with all of that stuff where you, you know, she went through it as a girl, but she, as a little girl, but now she had the perspective of what her daughters were going through, but also seeing what her mother was going through as well, too. I think, other than that, the book's beautifully written. I mean, she's just a fantastic writer. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Simon, because it, to me, it related to Matt's question about, like, did it meet our expectations or we had, how much did we know? So, um, having followed her on Instagram, you know, she would write poetically about life. And then I read the, so there was like a New York times article about her book when it came out, because it came out to like wide fanfare. And um, the critique on it was, you know, at times it ventured towards like sort of cliche uh, therapy talk around like love and mm. infinite and time. And, 
I can totally see that as a critique of particularly some of the later chapters where to me, it's like, I visualize it as a movie, you know, it's like the climactic scenes where like everything is all these cuts and it's swirling and you're like, it's all up for interpretation. And to me, that's okay because no one knows, like no one knows what happens after we die or in that in-between space. And that's why the book worked for me is because I would not have been compelled to hang there with her except for that I had followed her. She had brought me along very like mindfully through her own, you know, we're walking with her through her lived experience. And then she's saying, and this is where I've ended up is in this, in this mess of thinking about time. And like, like he said, Simon, like thinking about love amplifying and thinking about things in a new way relative to her, the faith that she had been, you know, conflicted with come, growing up. And so I thought that was beautiful. It's like saying, any argument i'm please i'm gonna build your trust with this and then i'm gonna ask you to follow me out on this imaginary bridge that doesn't exist because into infinity um and you know you might agree you might not agree but this is clearly how i feel as the writer how she feels and so i thought that was wonderful and even as i was reading i was like oh wow okay i'm not taking this as truth i'm taking it as like her interpretation that's wonderful um but i i can see how that could be too far too woo woo or too far out there too something for some for a bunch of people that makes sense yeah i i am curious what her mom and people of the church that she grew up in like what how are they interpreting this and like are they worried about her salvation like what are you know what i mean like what do people because i oftentimes think about that you know like it, when you grow up with a certain belief system and religion like if you leave and choose to believe something else like your parents are like scared for you or whatever and i i'm just so curious through all this as she's walking through this is her mom still of that faith is her mom praying for her like what does that look like which didn't get hit on but i am super curious like i think a conversation well, with her mom would be really interesting yeah i'm curious because i i rec heard her reference how the book ends at a moment that's sooner than people think. And I think I even said this to you, like, be mindful that the later pages, because I was, you know, that thing you do where you look at how many pages I've left. And in this, I was like, okay, I have this much amount of unraveling. And then it stops a little bit abruptly, I thought. I agree. Yeah. I was, I read on my Kindle and I was like, oh, because I, I had already heard about this Instagram post thing. I knew that it ended with her posts, but I was reading on my Kindle. So like, it's harder to like look ahead and like kind of flip through on the Kindle. And I was like, okay, so once I get through all these Instagram posts, do I then get to go back to the story? Cause I kind of I want it to, but the epilogue kind of ties it all, all oh. up together and knits it up. Like, okay, there's the bow. Yeah. I don't disagree. But it did feel abrupt. What, it felt abrupt. And I can totally, I, I think I, re I respect why she did it. I think I, I guess would have been, what, I'm trying to think when you know uh, when the end is coming, but like in that sort of scenario, I think I could have appreciated it more because mm -hmm. like it had been such an intense journey that you're like, and now we're stopped. And you're like, whoa. And now to the really? Instagram posts. Yeah, now to the Instagram posts, which are wonderful. And it's just a different, very different mindset, obviously, that written three years earlier, like da, da, da. Um, so how'd that strike you, Bridget? Or maybe that. 
<laughs> well, I actually, I feel like it left me hoping that Riz writes the book from his perspective. Because oh, sure. again, like you were saying, she kind of had, um, in a dance set, I don't want to speak for him. So uh. kind of where he takes over, at least that's how I interpreted it. Like, I'm going to end it where I feel like his story starts back up. And mm. I'm, I'm speaking through the process that I experienced. And then when, you know, it becomes his story again, like that's where, to me anyway, the way I took it was that's where she stops. I'm like, oh, Tommy, come on, like write the book. <laughs> I need to that's... continue on from his perspective and hear, like continue in the story itself. But then also from his side of things, like I would just love to hear even more than I feel like what we've heard so far or just in written form. I think that's mm -hmm. a really good point. And that's, you're probably right. And his book is going to be called Ray John, right? <laughs> you would think. So, that's yeah. like his thing. Um, well, if he didn't have a book contract before, he definitely would get one now. But you know, his Instagram says for inquiries, please, inquiries. I never can say that word right. Please just don't. <laughs> please just don't. <laughs> please just don't. Um, so I'm curious what uh, book publishers and brands still do anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> you oh, know yeah. people are reaching out. Um, you know it's it's interesting because this book club could look so different. Because Steph was originally going to join us, and then we had to change the date. Um, you know, like when you talk about a book and the author is there, like I'm like maybe we wouldn't share these opinions about oh, yeah. the abruptness of the Instagram. And I'm curious what she has heard about that though. Like I'd love to hear like why she did it that way and the feedback she's gotten because I did read a couple reviews that were like, oh, it abruptly stopped at these Instagram posts. And um, yeah, and I just, maybe that was a decision by her. Maybe that was a decision by the publisher. You know, your editor always makes you do a million things you maybe do or don't want to do. I mean, I think it feels, once I understood what was going on, because you're just like making sense. And I understood that she didn't want to, she wanted to tell her story. And I can totally respect that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that's hard to fully grasp, even in three years in hindsight, is that this all, that this part of the story all went down in the summer of 2020 when so many people were dying everywhere. Mm. Um, because I've written an article about like why, about supporting him and the, charity fundraising for him, mm -hmm. like these these larger than life issues of, I, I've been trying to think of an analogy I can't come up with. It. it feels like just like pushing all the chips in where you just keep pushing all the chips in. You're like, I'm all in. Like at this point, I'm all, all in. Like, because the world had lost so many people and we were surrounded by death so much in 2020 that I think it was meaningful that like this iconic figure was suffering, but still here and mm. therefore People were like, I can do something. I'm sitting at home and I can at least give some money to this guy's family to support, like, he's still in it. Um, but while meanwhile, there was just loss of, you know, so much magnitude all around. And so I know that for him that, talk about survivor's guilt sort of as a classic thing, that's amplified times 100 when you're like, I don't deserve no one deserves this much money from this many people like it's overwhelming but like i need it because the healthcare industry is so messed up that it's just necessary so like it takes a lot i think it's my sense is it's taken a lot from them to uh go a go through it b accept this much outpour of emotion be the center of this much stuff and honestly like it's just 
it can't be stated enough how like he shouldn't have lived he shouldn't have survived and then he shouldn't have survived the recovery um it's just so many layers of exhaustion that you're like yeah i mean i hope that we have the fortune of knowing how the story unfolds for many years to come um but it's just beyond beyond anything i can imagine what were you saying bridget i was just going to say that at the time i feel like and obviously two very different stories two very different people but it just i kept thinking of gabe grunewald mm. and so as Tommy was going through all of this, I just thought like, I, I don't want to lose, you know, like in the way that you just rooted for Gabe to come out of it unscathed, you just kept rooting for Tommy. And I don't, I don't really know what I'm, where I'm going with that, but I just, to me, in my head, those stories were similar in that you're watching someone just fight for their life and you're like, you know, this time I really hope that you make it and, and uh, different outcomes. And um, yeah, I don't know. That just is, what it made me think of at the time so yeah because the, the entire I, I think we're all immersed in the running community here and the entire running community was rallying behind both of those people probably we probably saw that especially with with like as far as like sickness goes like those are the probably the two biggest stories in the running community of human lives that have been affected by cancer and yeah i totally agree with that um, and it's amazing how like we can get attached to these stories of our heroes, right? Like we all have family members or relatives, um, community members that we know that are touched by cancer, right? This is this not germane to just a small quadrant of the population, but when it affects these people who we have in like these hero hero roles in our lives, even they're from afar, we've never met them before. It, it just feels it feels so per, we're so personally invested, even though we're we're not like in a very specific sense we are not personally like invested in, in them um, because they they don't even know that we exist right like like Tommy Rips doesn't know who I am right but like I give money to, to the thing and I, I wear the t shirt but it, it's like you just you feel like like you said Bridget like you're so connected to it and you you spend so much mental energy on it. Um, even though you've never met this person before and they've never met you and like, but it doesn't lessen the effect at all. Yeah. I wrote an essay um, coming out of Gabe's death about just how not today, because that really stood, stood out to me. J Justin's recounting of mm -hmm. her saying not today. So it was po poetic that then that became a rallying cry for him. Um, mm -hmm. And I think these things, yeah, when you, we all wear different, you know, costumes out in the world. And when people wear the not today costume, I think it's, it means a lot to them. It means a lot to the people they connect with and saying like, I see that in you and I see what's important to you. Um, I had this great, I did a, one of the run with ribs fundraisers. Um, and then it had been opened for the summer and sometime in like the late summer, early fall, a man from New York donated a thousand dollars to it. And I was wow. like, Hey, thanks so much. Like this will obviously be appreciated by his family. I'm curious, like how did how this come about? And he's like, Oh yeah. Like not, not a problem. Like, I just know that, I mean, he's a decently wealthy man in Manhattan and he was like, must be. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I just know that this, I won't see the difference. And they, like they clearly need it. I really appreciate mm. what like his family's doing for him i appreciate what it is because it's notable that his fam 
Steph was writing, but also his father was writing, uh, his brother was writing, and they would like share tidbits. So it was a journey mm -hmm. that we all went on. Um, that I, I just remember sending Tommy a voice note, being like, "I don't know when you're going to fully grasp, mm -hmm. or if you're ever going to fully grasp, like what went on while you were unconscious." But I don't think it's maybe it's not possible to grasp what went on. Um, and so what I appreciated was Steph really slowing down in her book and saying like, here's what happened and here's what happened. And like, here's how it affected me. And here's how it happened in a really like slow and methodical way. That was nice and um, hard to hear, you know, when you're talking about the family and the generations that are affected. Um, mm. But at least it like slowed down time during a time that's so tumultuous. I'm like, how can she even remember any of this? Because it's so, it could, you know, deserving of turning you upside down. So that in that regard, I thought, you know, I constantly, I think I'm constantly checking with myself, like, is this, how interesting would this be to me if I didn't know these people at all, if I wasn't into running, if I'd never heard of this character and those elements, I think made it worthwhile regardless. Um, in that regard, it's like a running book that's not at all about running, which you could say about all the best running books. And then there's a whole bunch of running books that I read that are really about running, you know? And you're like, if you're not into running, you're not gonna like these books at all. Um, so yeah, I'm curious where, where, like, where would you all left with like how you talk about it or how you'd recommend it to people? I, I'm pissed because I can't seem to find my coffee, which means I'm sure I handed it to someone <laughs> to, like as they're heading out the door. I'm like, here's you my read coffee. It. Here's okay. my question. Yeah. Um, no, I I was gonna say when you were talking about all of the, you know, how much everybody supported their family throughout everything, she talks about it in the book too. Like, why are we deserving of this when like all these people are dying right now? Like, there's like tragedy everywhere, and our family gets this like amazing gift from this community. Um, and I loved what she said because. I think this is something we're all talking about these days. If we're in therapy, at least I am like, you can feel these two things at the same time. Like she feels this like, like deep, deep gratitude that people are supporting them so strongly. And, and at the same time, she's like, ah, like everybody else needs help too. Like there are so many sad things in the world. And I just think that's really beautiful. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. And um, we're constantly learning that every day. Like today on my run, actually, I was thinking about Tommy and his story. And as I was like chugging along my 945 miles, and my belly's flopping around. I feel like heavy and gross. I'm like, he would have done anything to feel heavy <laughs> and gross on this run and be able to run a 945 pace when he's laying in that hospital bed. So I had this like, perspective and this like deep gratitude that I was physically able to. And, and at the same time, I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> shit, you know? And so um, I thought about that part of the book too. And mm. that's just like a very small, like everyday example. But I think that's show, you know, that shows up in our lives in big and small ways. Um, but to answer your question, how would you recommend the book? I mean, I think it's really good. You, I always know that I think a book is good when I constantly stop and like read paragraphs to my husband or tell him like bits and pieces of the story. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. And if a book is good enough that I start sharing it with the person in the room next to me, 
then I think that is a tells me enough that like I would recommend this book. Mm. Go ahead, Caitlin. Oh, I just thought it was like I think that non runners might relate to it just because of how like it's a grief story mm -hmm. and like a complicated grief story is like how I've explained it to a couple people of just like it's a grief story, but you know that the person lives, but there's a lot of time lost and like I, that what what you kind of said at the beginning, just like how it goes between her family, her grief of her father, and then her husband, like we've kind of talked about. But I think like I don't know, but I've seen it on some book lists of like just books on grief in general and complicated grief. And I think that like kind of like what you said, Lindsay, like it's you, you can have grief for something, but you can also like be happy in other times and but the both and piece of it, I think is important. So I think that, I thought that was really relatable about the book. It's on the New York Times bestseller list, isn't it? It was briefly, I mean, it was part of it. I'm not sure how that yeah. feels now. I was saying to my wife yesterday that with books that are narrative nonfiction, there is always that thing of like, is this, am I, am I only reading this because it's true? Right. Like, or is, is there an element to it that is, um, that I'm appreciating that's beyond just like absolute truth. And to your point, Caitlin, like her depth of exploration, we sort of give her the spotlight because it was so remarkable that he lived and thankful for us. She had this amazing other story she wanted to tell us about the moment she, the the life she'd lived to arrive in that moment. And then as a result, she's able to reflect. And like, I love that, like a, a modern grief story where the character still is alive. Um, I, yes, yes. It's a hopeful part of the story. And I am super curious what, you know, the book ends with him in remission. Like, I'm just super curious what his everyday battle is with that. Like what his everyday life is like, I'm sure he has to get scans every four months or six months and how he walks through that um, emotionally. I mean, how do I say this? He, Tommy became a hero um, and represented like the hero's journey for like endurance athletes and humans. Um, and I think we touched on this, this idea of like the advocating for him as a patient, I thought was really notable. The fact that the nurses were saying, mm. his odds are so slim, you're they're taking her aside. I mean, the, the nurses are sort of the low key heroes of this whole journey, right? Like they're saying, you're gonna need to advocate for stuff that is not reasonable because if they follow the reasonable path, he's not gonna live, he's gonna die. Mm. And you're like, oh yeah. Um, That's and so, so true. Finds her voice, like speaks up. Um, Caitlin had mentioned in the chat, uh, Steph did a great interview with Ali Feller on her podcast where she talks about the things. I found these things to be like, I found her interview to be quite nice and really fun to revisit the moments of the book. But honestly, Steph gives us so much in the book that I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she gives us like so much detail about that, like even more than she can say, what's she going to say to Ali? Like, yeah, right. I wrote about it. Um, so sorry, I'm grandstanding now, but I think there was like a lot there that um, was like whoa i didn't it can feel like it because it's still worked working out his health it can feel like well obviously these are the choices we've made but it turned out no like it came what was it 
he could not have gotten on an ECMO machine, but then she decided, okay, I'm going to put this on Instagram and boom, they're running. There's a surgeon who's a runner who follows Tommy and is like, let's go. Like, let's push aside red tape and make it happen, which is just crazy, but it's wonderful that it worked out. Yeah. It makes you think like, the, oh, I was just to say those, those nurses, like, like how many patients do they do that for? And what about him? Did they just like, they could just like sense, like if anybody can do it, it's him. Yeah. Like how beautiful is that? I wonder if she still is in contact with them. I'm sure she is. Well, she said in Allie's, what was interesting about Allie's podcast was it was kind of hearing some of these things we're asking about with the writing. Like she kind of answered some of that stuff of like where some of her thought was as the writer, but she did say that some of the nurses that they, they saw at a book event and it was like really emotional mm-hmm. and that it was something like that, Oh, because of COVID, she only really ever saw like their eyes. Oh, and so yeah. met them in person. It was like so emotional, but also like, oh my gosh, I'm actually seeing you too. So that was a really cool part of listening to that part of the podcast. Cause yeah, there is kind of this like mismatch. I mean, obviously, cause it's still going on and like, I'm sure he's not, yeah, a hundred percent clean bill of health or anything, but it was, it's interesting to hear about that piece of it too, which she does. I I, I, li- I finished the book and then I listened to the podcast in that order on purpose. So it was kind of yeah. interesting to do it that way. Yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. Um, but so I'm a mom and connected with the book, certainly, and like how she had to deal with it with her children. But I'm also a physician um, who happened to work in COVID ICUs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I connected I mean, a little bit of maybe PTSD dealing with like the part of um, where we were like having to do these things with people and like families weren't there to see them. You were like putting people on their last Zoom call with their loved one ever, you know, like, so definitely I re- had to relive that a little bit going through her book. Um, mm-hmm. But also it just made me appreciate, reappreciate so much um, my nurses, you know, like who, and like how much I trust their opinions of these kind of evaluation of the situations when we're trying to make difficult decisions like, how do we place our resources? Who gets a ventilator? Who gets an ECMO machine? And wow. what did what did you think as a physician? Like, did you put yourself in those shoes? Like, if I had been his doctor, like, what you might have chosen to do? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's like a little hard for me not to, but the, um, it just, it felt, um, it's i think it's it's a nice way for pe- some people outside of our profession to maybe appreciate like how complicated this resource utilization is for us and how like unbelievably even when you re- like sometimes you really want to do it for the patient but by like your numbers and protocols you can't you know mm. it's not and what are the yeah. things that make us kind of push extra hard um but so i think it was nice that they're like people outside of my profession could kind of like view into that a little bit maybe. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know whether I would have given him an ECMO machine or not. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That's thank you for offering that. I remember that when he first went, um, silent after posting a mutual friend of his sent me like the X-ray of his chest was just looked like totally filled with junk um it looked all black and i sent it to my cousin who's a physician she's like i mean this looks like a covid lung 
to me, um, but he meaningfully hadn't had a positive test. And Aaron, to your point, you have to follow protocol and you actually have to run. Uh, this is why I'd be a horrible doctor. I'm much too emotional. And I'm like, because I was like, come on, he clearly has COVID. Like he's going to die of it. Like we don't have time to like nitpick of whether there's like a positive test. Well, he didn't have COVID. And that would have been, and although they did run, you know, what my understanding is they ran the medical procedures to try to treat him in case he did. But then it became clear that it was something else. And so um, just like a really complicated process that needs to be run. And I, again, appreciated Steph in like incredible fine tooth detail walking us through like, and here's where we were this week when we had been running this process and he wasn't recovering on the trajectory of COVID patients. So we had to like continue to problem solve. Um, thank you for what you do, Aaron. <laughs> Oh, th thank you. I was going to say something about that. And I, I was writing ditto to what Bridget said in the text. And I can't do two things at once. Um, oh, yeah. Just like how heartbreaking it is that this all went down when it went down. Because you, without being in their situation, everything was unknown. Everything was scary. Can you imagine having no clue what he's going through, what he he actually has, and not being able to go in there just to be completely removed from it and just lost. And, um, and the fact that when they finally did let her go in, they let her go in because they thought she was saying goodbye. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason. Couldn't have been a worse time in the world to, like, have that situation arise in your life. And now, and now the book is coming out in, I think I was speaking with a man I know who's quite thoughtful about these things. And he said that, you know, he tried, he's the leader, he's the leader of many organizations. And he said, like, I try to appreciate that many of us over the last three years have experienced more death than we've ever seen, like an unprecedented amount of loss. And some of us are dealing with that acutely. Other people are yeah, if you're fortunate, you're dealing with it like in a very low level, like, wow, this is the new world we live in. So um, it's kind of like pointing out, you know, the water you're in, uh, pointing out the fact that we're in the in this post 2020 COVID era. And so it's trying to make sense of this story um, amidst all these other stories. So I was pretty impressed that Steph, even though she, I mean, she talked about how she had written several of the life chapters before all this went down. Um, and then she wrote these other contemporaneous chapters and edited them together, wove them together. But still, she wrote them, I mean, what are you talking, like 21 into 22, because it gets published in 23. Um, Tommy is in remission. He is still like has like 70, 80% reduced lung capacity. I didn't know, I was like blissfully naive three years ago about what bone marrow transplant looks like. Um, I was like, sweet, you get like hooked up with new bone marrow in your bones. That's awesome. Had no awareness of how much they have to like bomb out your own immune system to within an inch of, inch of itself so that you can be replaced with this healthier version. So um, I know that he, what is it? It's been written about how he has been able to lean more into like actual strength training, which is maybe more his musculature, um, natural disposition. He had often written about, 
his he deeply associates like with the search for lightness um mm. for purely vo2 max um power reasons like strength over weight is an irrefutable from his perspective uh which you know to often racing like many pounds below what i think is he's talked about his body wants to be at so now he just looks like even more like a he-man because he's not worried about running marathons i saw him in tahoe last year and he's like hey want to go run and i'm like sure and he's like i'm just kidding <laughs> he's like we go walk for 100 meters um and that was on his trajectory towards new york and then boston um so it's been pretty remarkable to see how much he's been able to recover and stick with it i mean and i know that's been paid dividends to the people who follow him my dad is like has a horrible heart and um he's in critical heart failure and still goes out running every few days like a minute at a time and he's like if tommy can do it like if tommy he's like that's exactly it um so it's a pretty inspiring story i love your dad peter i'm so glad i know him um you know what stories like this do though um in a really beautiful way they remind you to appreciate life every day you know like steph says and tommy talks about all the time like this is the party like we're here enjoy it and at the same time, when I try to do that 24-7, speaking of rage on, I get a little <laughs> ragey because my kids start freaking out. And I'm like, we're so enjoying this. We're here. You know? And so there's these, like, it's, again, I go back to those two conflicting feelings. Because, like, you literally can't feel that all the time. But you feel like you need to because you have it. You know, you, you're you're here and you're healthy. Um but if nothing else, it reminds you to appreciate and take a step back when things do get hard. Oh, I wanted to bring something up. Actually, I wanted to ask Aaron a question, if that'd be all right. Aaron, um, a lot of the, the conversation we've had today is about like that kind of intermediate zone that Tommy was in of like, all right, like pushing past, do you, do you keep fighting? Do you not keep fighting? In your work, have you had conversations like that where people talk about that, that um, I don't even know how to phrase it, just that, that in between? um that, that that they uh that they go through and then they want to express what that's like to the people around them um yeah i mean i work with um so not i wouldn't say not so much in my icu because usually by the time we get you good enough that you can have those conversations with us we're kicking you out of the icu um <laughs> but more so i do work with a lot of trauma patients and i work with a trauma survivors network so um some of those patients um will will kind of talk to us a lot about that and um oftentimes it's like, like you know their stories um kind of coming through for other people who have experienced this are just so powerful like even to trauma survivors who haven't necessarily had that exact experience but um you know hearing it's really powerful the way stuff um writes about it in the book is that is that similar to the, the things that you had heard i guess just like Lindsay has said before like when when stuff like religion gets brought up like she leans into it like this is obviously for everybody is like such like a fascinating topic oh yeah i want to know all the things i'm like where were you you're on the brink of death you almost went over but you were still here like where were you because and that's what steph talks about she's like he was somewhere in between and i'm like where is that i just want to know and I will say in our unit, when we have people who are particularly sick, I always remind, even if we have someone who we know is dying and like who is maybe even on 
like partially brain dead already or what you know in that going in that direction i tell families all the time i'm like still talk to them still tell yeah. them the things you want to tell like we have no idea what their experience is unless they can like wake up and tell us it so you don't know what energies they're feeling what the you know so like we encourage people to do that a lot i my hope is like you're on enough drugs that you feel kind of floaty and happy I said, I think that's usually our goal from the from the hospital perspective. Yeah. What were you saying, Matt? I was like, yeah, no, for sure. But obviously, like, you know, I'm trying to think about it. Like, if you're talking to that person, you also like want to make sure, like, you know, you also want them to hear you, right? It's like yeah. you're like, if you're obviously you want them to be in no pain, but you also like thinking about it now. Like, it would be like if you it would be heartbreaking at the same time to be like, oh, they could have heard what I said, but you know. Yeah they were on like this strong morphine drip that they needed to be on. Right. There's no, I'm not acting like I know anything on this, on this topic. Cause I most certainly do not, but it's like, it's such an interesting thing, Aaron, that you bring up. Cause I can imagine certain people in that situation having to face that kind of, you know, grief and death um, and all the trauma associated with it. I can imagine some people moving away from the religious and spiritual side of things as a coping mechanism um, or even just like, hey, this is my experience, and I, I don't, I don't associate with this because I, I just don't see it. Other people doing the exact opposite, even if they had the exact same circumstances and going the other direction, right? And you know, for the reasons that you know Stephanie brought up and I, that Aaron had just brought up. I agree. I feel like people go one way or the other when this happens. Um, they either cling really hard to their faith, or they're like, they kind of stop believing, which is. Feels really sad, but the way Stephanie writes, Steph writes about it to her isn't, doesn't seem like it was sad, you know, um, that's tough. I could read a million books about the faith piece of this. I don't know if Steph could have gone deeper into her religious journey. She certainly paid it like great dividends. Um, she essentially talks about, you know, feeling sold a false bill of goods right like if she i think it i mean maybe it maybe she could have said even more about like how she might interpret it now like a child's an adolescent interpretation of the promises quote unquote made by a religion in terms of like the prayers and the goodness i mean it's a little simplistic to say like she acted out because she thought being originally you know religiously pure would save her father's life um and then when that clearly wasn't the case um sort of like that rebellion of what's it worth you know following the rules for um mm. i think it's i'm the last person who should talk about religion because it's too ham-handed and too not nuanced enough um yeah i imagine it certainly makes sense why these are the topics that transfix people and send them on you know like lifelong journeys exploring growing closer or further from like whether there is a god uh, so it's a pretty <laughs> that's why this, this is like a non-running running book because <laughs> 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 it leaves you a little bit more with that it leaves you with that in your mind's eye than like how should we raise our daughters which is also like a super important topic oh. <laughs> that we covered on here yeah for sure but this is related to that as well it's like yeah like how much do you open up to your child um and there's there being no right answers uh her and ali had a good section on that sort of like well this is what we're trying um as moms but we don't know if this is perfect either 
Um, they share. Lindsay, do they share what they tell their kids? Or she just talks about like uh, how in the book, or Allie talks, reflects how um, she respected that Steph at some point kind of opens up uh, to her daughter about how she's suffering. Um, you oh. know, just sort of breaks down and needs that moment. And so, and Steph's kind of in that interview is kind of like, I don't know if that's the right thing either to do. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how my, my daughters portray it years from now. What do you think, totally. Bridget? I was also going to say in that same interview, there was a point where she talked about like um, how she opened up a lot about, you know, the things she went through as an adolescent and, you know, um, acting a certain way because she was struggling with like feeling like, oh, I did all the right things. And, you know, what the heck, my dad still passed away. And then having her, what she kind of referred to as like her rebellious streak and just doing a bunch of different things as a teenager. And she said, yeah, I mean, my daughters are going to read this and well, yeah. Hopefully they don't take it as a guidebook, but it is what it is. This is these are the choices I made as a parent of two girls. It was just interesting. And I thought, how much would I tell them? <laughs> what would I not share? And I, don't, I mean, it doesn't really relate to running, but that piece of it, I just thought was super interesting. Well, yeah. And I think that that's like such a common thing to talk about in 2023. Like, I mean, I feel like, I feel like Peter's parents probably did this right. I'm like in all of Peter's parents, but like most of our parents didn't talk about their feelings that much. And like, I just thought um, of my mom as like my mom and like the adults know all. And now looking back, I'm like, I, you know, you think about all the things and you're like, oh my gosh, my mom must have been so sad about this or that. And they just held it together for us. And so I think about that all the time with my kids. And I just think we're way more honest with our feelings in, in these days. Yeah. My mom had like a saying when I was a teenager, she'd be like, I feel like there should be a rule for this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's slow down. Let's make some calls. Like, like, let's talk this out. Uh, I could probably go to that party and it'd be okay. Um, like, you know, you're like live negotiating, but it is that feeling of like, do I hold the front or then I, I mean the opposite being like totally open being like, I'm the cool parent who like lets you do anything. And it's like, well, no. And obviously this is more about Steph's like emotional availability, but um, yeah. Like, do you, come off as though you're a rock, even if this is, uh, you're experiencing trauma or are you open about what you're going through? Um, but you don't want to burden your kids, but you want to be honest with your kids. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is probably Lindsay. I, I imagine you've had conversations with experts about this. Like we've been having, we have lots of ongoing conversations with my son about like what it means for my mom to be gone and how mm -hmm. to, keep that memory alive and like you know um i guess i don't really have a choice but to cry in front of him it's not by design um but to say like hey yeah this is it's okay like we can just be, sit here and be sad and remember her and but that's you know in a situation where things are okay you know i think what i interpreted from steph's situation is you know with a father passing away at a young age and then the mother just trying to hold things together. It is a more untenuous, like tumultuous, like moment of like, it's not just in memory. It's like still trying to raise children. And so it, it's, a, it's a lot and you can, like she does kind of like wonder what her mom was going through, but also understand why she chose to like, I, I see it as like a metaphor, like just anchoring in, just like putting your ice axe in and being like, we're just gonna hold the line right here. We're not, um, we're just gonna try to make do. So, but it, yes, yeah, it, it must be tough 
not that I think her mom's going to do a podcast interview, but to like know that your, you know, your daughter is out there making choices that are like probably not in her best interest, but she'll be hopefully okay. Well, two things. One, I think it's really great that you cry in front of your son. And I think that one of the experts I've talked to, David Thomas, who wrote a book called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys would say, that's good because oh. it's good for your sons to see their dads showing emotion. Um, two, I also think with her mom, though in 2023, we do talk about our feelings more to our kids. Also, everybody is different. And some people process their emotions more externally, some people more internally. So who knows like what kind of processor her mom was. I think my mom is more of an internal processor. I'm more of an external processor. So like generations aside, that's a factor as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think kudos to you for not going and hiding in the closet when you have to cry and you're sad about your mom. But I mean, I, Matt and I talked, I'm going to attempt to, weird analogy we were talking earlier today about uh recapping the ultra world and i'm fascinated by the ultra races because i love track and field and then i love marathons and those things happen pretty quickly whereas these ultras they play out over so much time that you know some of my mo favorite moments from ultras are like the videos they have of the id stations where the runner is talking to their loved one and saying like i can't i don't think i can do it i don't think i can like, and they're like, no, like, and so they're, you get to see it play out. Whereas that kind of happens in a marathon through a screen, like you can do it, you know? Um, and so this felt like the equivalent, like he hovered along at this like near death moment for so long that like most people just, if we're talking about this in between space, like slip into it, slip out of it, slip into it and are gone. Um, it's a matter of moments. Um, so the fact that he existed there like we talked about, maybe that will be more of what Tommy is able to bring to fruition someday. He's already done it in certain podcasts. Um, there's just so many more moments than most people get to have, um, given that seriousness. Like, uh, so I think I just keep trying to remember like, oh, this all, we get to know all this because it happened over so much time and was so much, so traumatic. I feel like we should wrap up guys. We could talk forever about. <laughs> I know, it's a good one. Death, um parenting god <laughs> well we're gonna yeah i mean I'm, thanks for taking this one on um i had read it i think right before we talked so it was uh top of mind for me and i was excited when i said uh when you said you you two mentioned that we were going to talk about it, i said oh i have i have thoughts you both like matter remember your eyes you were like you thought I was just gonna like tear her apart, like just like be. Well, you be said. Super well, I, think, I think we had just gone through like we're talking about. We had just gone through like another book club conversation, and we just expressed like, all right, here's some things I would change on the book. They're like, all right, let's talk about like what we're gonna read next. You're like, oh, I have thoughts. I'm like, oh god, oh god. <laughs> well, one thing we know yeah. about Peter yes. is he's super honest, but also Peter's <laughs> friends with Tommy. So. Oh man, um, it's a. Uh, this sure, is a wild for sure, one. and I was definitely like you know. Tongue in cheek too. I I realized that okay. you were kind of like, I have thoughts and they're all negative. Like I was like, no, well, so none of them were negative. Like it was overwhelmingly positive, obviously. As we move towards a public podcast, still want to get input from relay members on you know books we should cover and things we should dive into in the next coming months. Thanks for being here, friends. Uh, thanks for being yeah. vulnerable with the discussion. Thanks for y'all.
all your questions and thoughts. It was wonderful.